You're going to die. Stephen Haynes is stepping out on Mary. What girl? This Crystal Allen. Crystal Allen? Yes, you know, the girl who's hooked Mr. Haynes. Hey, what happened to the hot date you had on for tonight, darling? It's hotter than ever, dear. I'm having him dine at my place. About time he found out I was a homegirl. Homegirl? <laughs> Get her. Why don't you borrow the quintuplets for the evening? Because I'm all the baby he wants, pet. You're very confident, aren't you? Yes. Because I know Stephen couldn't love a girl like you. Well, if he couldn't, he's an awfully good actor. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'm joined over Skype by my brother, Adam. How? Howdy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How's it going? Good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a good week. Um, how, how's things over in the crazy country called America? Um, well, you know, uh, we've decided that it's okay uh, for the president to break the law. Um, so, uh, so that's encouraging. Um, and um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it just continues to be a never-ending uh, shit show. Um, Yep, but, and it's. Uh, but you know, it's. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, you know, at least it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, entertaining in the same way that you're just like laughing and crying at the same time and you don't know if you're laughing or crying. Yeah, it's entertaining in the same way that I imagine a plane crash would be entertaining. It's uh, certainly a thrill ride, but uh, you have. Uh, oh, you're, it's not going to end well. So, um, so, yeah, that's where we are. Um, yeah. On a slightly. Uh, re- yeah, on a slightly related note, good luck, England, as well. Oh, yeah, well, gosh, you know, January the 31st, which was just the other day, uh, was a pretty uh, miserable, because that was the day they decided that they didn't need witnesses in the Trump impeachment trial, and the Britain finally left Britain, uh, the, the United, I mean, the, the European Union. It's just a, it's just a never-ending cavalcade of terrible news at the moment. Um, but that's luckily not what this podcast is about. We yeah, are all about uh, escapism and the silver screen. Yes, and uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about the women the film the oh, women really? yeah the yeah the film oh, the film yes uh directed by uh george cooker and is it cooker or how do you how do you pronounce his name i say cucor cucor but i don't know if that's right either we'll just go i think cucor sounds sounds cooler uh george, directed by george cucor it's a bit fruitier than the cucor yeah directed by george cucor and stars norma shear rosalind russell and joan crawford it was uh released and in joan fontaine and John Fontaine, a lot of great, uh, a film uh, with an entirely female cast of 130 uh, speaking uh, female parts. Female speaking yeah, I mean, parts. Pretty, it is pretty amazing um, that, um, yeah, that you have so much, um, uh, you have such a commitment to, to this, uh, to this, um, you know, experiment, if you will. Um, and, um, uh, to the point where all the animals in the film are also female. <laughs> yeah, that's some dedication right there. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it really truly is. You know, it's it's this uh, really um, sumptuous black and white movie, isn't it? With um, you know this incredible cast, you know this this huge sort of who's who of um, of great um, 
you know female stars of the of the 1930s and um and, and then some you know some absolutely scene stealing um, yeah. performances uh it's um <laughs> and some some brilliant one-liners i mean it's, it's truly um it's truly amazing but you know what i mean i found so funny watching it the first time was like here's a film that i guess in some ways is intending to make a kind of for want of a better word feminist statement and yeah. yet i'm pretty sure this film a does not pass the bechdel test and b presents like essentially an incredibly stereotypical view of women in the 30s like yeah. they're all bitches they're all obsessed with um their husbands or their husbands mistresses they spend their entire lives shopping or like doing you know beauty treatments talking about each other gossiping like this it's really like um thoroughly sort of unmodern in that way uh, yeah. i think it's just kind of funny and the whole and, the, and and you know uh the whole arc of the story is so focused on this there's, there's obviously these men that we never meet um and especially um you know norma shearer's uh husband and who she goes back to at the end yeah like she's not empowered to you know to um to break up with him and just like go off on our own so yeah it's, I, I don't like as a statement about feminism it's, it's really not i mean it's it just um you know it is a film with an all-female cast but it is not a film <laughs> it is not you know it's not Thelma and Louise, no, 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 no. i mean i mean yeah in, in a way it is kind of a feminist movie but at the same time it is still a film directed by uh, a man basically and and all those and all, and all those well, things that you just said yeah, I mean, no, exactly. It was a male director as well. It's like all the all the crew weren't female. Yeah, I, I actually don't think you could call this a feminist movie in any way. I think it's just it is a film with an all female cast. That is, yeah. I think that that is as far as you can go. Yeah. Do you think so, like if do you think if someone was going to do a film like this today or like you know let's say like a rem- they, did. they remade it? Yeah, the, they did. The- they did do it in two thousand and eight, and it did not get the best reviews at all. I mean, I think if someone did it today, you'd have to think very carefully about where you said it and how you did it. And I think you would, I mean, you, you need to think very hard about why you were doing, why you were doing it in, in that way and what the, um, what the desired sort of message of it is going to be. Yeah. I think it would be doable, but it, again, it's like, to what end? <laughs> yeah, you'd um, have to like, you'd have to tread very lightly with, with a film like this if you weren't going to do it like given the like the subject matter and what yeah. they talk about you would have to find a way to make that accessible without people really feeling like yeah what are you what are you guys doing here or like making a film that you know is accessible for everybody and is a 100% feminism film well, or not or just like or has a has a more eloquent point to make about yeah women in you know like and and and, and feminism you know i don't know um what why you would really want to do it i mean this i mean this is what's sort of fun about this movie is that it doesn't it's not really in making any kind of political point it's just saying look we've made a film with 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 an entire class of women and what they get from that is i think really wonderful i mean Mm. taking the 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 you know let's just admit that the the gender politics are problematic that you know the the fact that none of these women have are seen to be like true like fully like have full agency and like many of them are portrayed as either kind of dumb or naive or both just parking that for a second like this is a really fun Mm. comedy it's a great comedy and it has great as you said one-liners it has some really great performances especially like from actors who were you know just you know in, in the prime of their career or starting out like joan crawford this was like her big 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 break and um yeah and she's and she's fantastic in this film as a very sort of conniving confident uh woman who isn't afraid to you know sleep around or have affairs with you know while still being married and things like that and, and while you know still being kind of proud about it and not letting anyone kind of push her around i guess yeah i mean that's like again you can't really call it you can't call it feminism at all but what i do like is that she is just she's she's you know like yeah fuck it come at me like you know she she really she t- she takes no prisoners um it's such a treat because you know in in the 30s and in the 40s generally you know you have a leading man yeah uh, in a sort of standard hollywood movie you know you got your leading man your leading lady and then you've got perhaps like a secondary uh, lady um then you have a secondary kind of like 
buddy for the leading man. And then generally it's just character actors all the way down. Like you've got your Thelma Ritters and you've got, you, you know, yeah. your, your, um, uh, whoever it is, you know, um, you know, Lionel Barrymore shows up and, you know, steals a scene or something. But what I really love about this is that it actually packs the film with leading ladies. Yeah. You know, you've got Paulette Goddard, you've got Joan Fontaine, you've got, um, you've got Norma Shearer, who is, you know, at the height of her, her power. They think won an Oscar for this. Uh, no, no uh, this film did. I don't think this film actually did get any uh, nominations. Okay, you want to ask for something else, maybe? Yeah. But, but in any case, you know, they put all these people in the film who are used to being leading ladies, and they make it an ensemble cast. And I think that, but for, for that alone, it is such a treat. And yeah. then you get, you know, you get all these people just shining, you know, absolutely shining in these roles. I, my favorite by uh, by far, and that's not to denigrate anyone else, is is Rosalind Russell because she is just. Yeah, fucking hilarious. She is. Film. She is very, very funny. I love how they just like her costumes really kind of elevate the sort of extravagant, stupid, like stupid aspect of her character. Like she has to be the loudest person in the room, and the and her and the clothes that she wears sort of elevates that. And I think that was so like it just kind of really just showed so much about her personality, just from what she's I mean, wearing. The design is, is so good, and there's the style of yeah. you know, it is all so wonderful um that you've you've got all of these like brilliant um i'm trying to look up who did the costume design here um oh, adrian adrian well that's for the yeah. fashion show adrian! Adrian! uh well, I, well no cost oh yeah Ad- okay well who was who's okay what else is adrian uh done oh he only lived to be 56 oh yeah he worked on um, uh, Rope, Shadow of a Doubt. He also did The Philadelphia Story, which was another uh, uh, George, George Cukor film uh, with Catherine Hepburn and uh, James Stewart and uh, Cary Grant. Uh, Catherine Hepburn and uh, George Cukor, they had a very uh, strong uh, friendship off, off screen. And he also did the costumes on The Wizard of Oz, which at one point uh, George Cukor was involved with. He actually, he actually made some sort of... Um, I was looking a little bit at George Cukor's uh, career a little bit, and he he nearly did. He he had some involvement in some films. Like one of his first um, uh, productions that he worked on was a film called One Hour with You, which was with uh, Maurice uh, Chevalier, and he the original director was Ernst uh, Lubitsch, but he wanted to produce the film instead. But uh, they worked well together. But then some weeks into the filming uh Lubitsch uh started becoming uh, started coming onto the set and sort of started taking away uh the film from uh Kukor and then he Kukor ended up getting an assistant uh directing uh credit and then uh David Oselznik picked him up and took him to RKO where they uh they they made some films uh together and then originally Kukor was hired to direct uh Gone with the Wind but uh, that ended up being uh, done by uh, Victor Fleming. It, in, it's it's not really known who fired who. It's like, could it be David Oselznik? Or was it Clark Gable who didn't want, uh, in his words... Uh, oh, I can't remember. What, oh, what did he say? I was so... In, uh, he, he said, like, I don't know. I think it sort of said something along the words of, like, I don't want a, a fairy directing this movie. I want a man's man directing this film. That's what Clark Gable yeah, apparently said. Very, very enlightened from uh, Clark Gable. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the, the David Oselznik, I mean, is used, you know, directors got fired left, right, and center. I mean, the same thing happened with King Vidor with uh, Jewel in the Sun, I think. Um, and, I mean, Gone with the Wind we is a famous, I mean, I think they went through a, a few different directors on that. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it really is kind of a who's who of this kind of era of Hollywood, isn't it? Um, yeah. With Adrian doing the gowns, as it, they would have been called, mm-hmm. and George, George Cukor directing. Um, and it's, um, I think, the, the, who would, the screenwriter was, was that Anita Luce? Or, um... Yeah, Anita Luce and who else? It was Anita Luce and Jane Murphin. And F. Scott Fitzgerald is uncredited uh, on the screenplay as well. Interesting. So, yeah, talk about a who's who. I, I think it's it's also interesting that it was written by women, I suppose, because it, it really feels like, um, you know, some, they, they certainly get some of the stuff. Yeah. Right, but other things are, are, are less um, 
Yeah, Donald Ogden Stewart is also an uncredited screenwriter. So that's, yeah. um, there's definitely women involved in the uh, in the um, yeah. you know the writing of it, but still doesn't manage to um, uh, portray women as anything else than like uh, adornments for their husband. Um, well, so anyway, coming back to Rosalind Russell, I, uh, Rosalind Russell, I think she she really epitomizes so much of what I love about this film, though. Yeah, that she is because it's a um, it's an all-female cast that, you know, the physical comedy is given to her. So she does so much mugging, like, pratfalls. She's always just, you know, that, that scene in the gym with her is so fun. That like, is a she, great scene. She's given the license to just be completely um, over the top, and she does it so well. Yeah, there was a really... I can't remember exactly. There was a quote that... Uh, I'm just going to try and find... There was a quote that um, Rosalind Russell came up about... Um, he, he, I think he, she was very like, I think that George Cooker, he told her to like, you know, because in this picture of Sylvia's breaking up a family and there's a child involved. And, and if you're, you know, and if you're heavy, audiences will hate you. Don't play it like a heavy, just be ridiculous. And Rosalind said he was hundred percent right. I was frightened to death, but from then on I did what he said and everything that came to me from the women, namely my reputation as a comedian, uh, I, I owed to George. He was marvelous to work for. He could think of a hundred bits of, of business for every moment. So I think, you know, it seemed like they were, everybody was really working very well. And George Cukor was known as uh, the woman's, a woman's, uh, the, the woman's uh, director, which I think is a title that he did slightly resent. Well, and it's also a title that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the time. That like yeah. the separation of genders and like the idea that like women had different, lives and, and interests and, and, and had a completely you know like we're a completely alien uh race you know essentially it's 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 so um it's so old-fashioned mm. um, but it's true like there are there are there is um there are good guys and bad guys in this um you know insofar as like you've got you've got um uh jane russell oh excuse me sorry joan crawford um yeah. jane russell's not in this movie nope. uh breaking up a family as you say and you've got um, uh, you, you know, a similar uh, dynamic going on with Rosalind Russell's character, who's also kind of causing mischief and you know betraying her friend or whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, a, a lesser film would have made those characters less likable. Like, I think the fact that Joan Crawford is probably the least likable character; she still has parts which you can't help admiring. And then Rosalind yeah. Russell's just too lovable to not like. She's so absurd, and as you say, like she's so vain, she's materialistic, she's she's like a brat and and a prima donna but you just every scene she's in you just love her she and, and you want you kind of you root for her almost yeah like every like, every one of the actors just gives a performance where you, they're they're just fantastic and also and also tremendously likable and it makes the film really feel accessible and it's just like it's a really just good fun old-fashioned like watch i, I just I, I really enjoyed it yeah. mary I, boland is wonderful um you know she's um the, the the countess de la oh oh l'amour l'amour <laughs> i love that bit at the end <laughs> la publicite <laughs> it's so good i mean it is so she's she's um just um yeah a, a hilarious addition to this um chin up that's right both of them uh, <laughs> also uh Hedda hopper has a has a cameo in this where she's basically sending up her own uh yeah, reputation as a gossip columnist, which um, which she was. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, she's basically the head of Hopper's, um, the character that um, uh, um, Tilda Swinton played in um, Hail Caesar, essentially. Oh, really? Is that that's her character? Okay. Yeah, I think it's pretty much based on on Hedda Hopper. I mean, she was the sort of poison pen. Um, but yeah, they're just um, yeah. Oh, oh, it, it is a a real um, as I say, just a real treat. Um, she also played so herself. They, in uh, Sunset Boulevard, by the looks of it, on the IMDb page. Oh yeah, yeah, she's in that too. Um, I mean, uh, um, there, there's so much, um, there's so much great um, heart in this too. You know, there's there's a lot of um, like the friendships are very. Um, I mean, despite that they're always the fact that they're always sabotaging each other, like yeah, you get the impression that hanging out with these people would be great fun, and they actually do kind of um, have a certain kind of love for one another. Um, but um, you know, it's it's that it it, it this, this it's funny to think just how low the stakes are, and it mm. is it's it's interesting that in a film made in 1939, and in general in this period, you know, the 
the lives that get depicted on screen, by and large, are the lives of very, very wealthy people who have multiple homes, who have horses, who have the ability to go shopping, and it's and where you know, and in Bergdorf or wherever it is, and yeah, and it's interesting that you know this is the Depression era in America, and on screen so often you have these um, depictions of lavish wealth and luxury, um, and I've always been sort of fascinated by that dynamic. You know, mm. I've always been, and of course there are films being made in this period that show hardship and like you know, and even really successful comedies like. Um, Sullivan's Travels, which doesn't, you know, has a real message uh, in it. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's, it's also just like, it, it's curious how film so often just becomes an escape. Like, I think that's true in our own time as much as anything else, you know. Yeah. Um, I think there's a reason why so many superhero films get made nowadays. It's, uh, people want a, an easy answer to difficult questions, you know, and people feel anxious about the you know the quote unquote the end of the world and then yeah uh, well you know so and it's i, I find that sort of sickening in some ways but it's also just kind of socially interesting but um yeah i was, also just wanted to think about like 1939 is an amazing year for cinema yeah it was it, it was like but, a really it was a pretty successful year for movies like there were like 365 films were released that year and they were buying for each day yeah they were buying tickets at a rate of 80 million a week what? Yeah, but That's like, but just crazy. think of like the films that came out in that period were Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, both directed by Victor Fleming. Uh, people like John Ford, he, he made uh, Stagecoach uh, and Drums Along the Mohawk. Yeah, and Young Mr. Lincoln. Yeah, same year, imagine that. Yeah, Betty Davis, she was, you know, she was kind of getting over the fact that she wasn't going to play Scarlett O'Hara and her career kind of came, you know, went big in, in that period as well. What, what did she do in 1939? Uh, she did Dark, Fi Dark Victory, The Old... Oh, Dark Victory, yeah. And, uh, I and seen that, yeah. Dark Victory, The Old Maid, and, Juarez, and, and Juarez. Yeah. And also Frank Capra as well with uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah, there you go. I mean, it, and, 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 and over... Um, uh, across the other side of the Atlantic, you had uh, The Rules of the Game, was released in 1939. Yeah, and I think there were quite a few um, really famous um, movies that came out in Britain too. But also, I, just yeah. like there was a lot of talent coming from Europe who were escaping Nazi persecution, and then Hollywood just said, "Like, come here, come make your movies," and like that's pretty right. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is quite the year. Yeah, I'm just trying yeah. To, but I mean, like, it's like you said. I mean, it, you know, movies give escapism, and I think this 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 movie is a perfect like escapist kind of film. You, it's such a like heartwarming movie. Like, well. You know, life may be, you know, bad, but we have the movies and like films like this were being made and, it, you know, it's feel good. It has a happy ending. It does have this kind of romantic feeling like, oh, you know, that romantic feeling of America and wanting to, you know, you know, achieve higher status and things like that. So I, I think in a lot of ways that yeah, makes, it's, it, it, is that that film, it makes the film feel accessible for that period. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it does have, um, it does have that American obsession with sort of achieving a certain level of wealth i mean um uh, ooh, and uh, i'm just looking here the hound of the baskervilles was released that year uh, with the uh, um basil rathbone um, basil rathbone yeah you've got you've got ninotchka of mice and men the wuthering heights uh, with uh, Lawrence olivia oh right yeah well Oberon. um jesse james that's a good western that came out it was a great year for westerns yeah really good year for westerns is so that that's, that's the one with um Tyrone Power and Henry Fonda, isn't it? Which one? The Jesse James film. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Death Be Rides Again with James Stewart and Marlene Dietrich. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a great year for film. Terrible year for uh, international politics, though, because then the Second World War starts. But um, yeah, I mean, the women came out two days before Poland got invaded. That's insane, isn't it? It's just yeah. insane to think about that you could be going to the cinema to watch this movie at the same time as the tanks are rolling across the board i mean it's 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 amazing to think about the the power that hollywood had already accumulated by the start of the second world war and it's only 10 years into the sound era yeah that you can't that hollywood plays such an enormous part in the second world war too like not just through um uh, the movies that get made when you think about casablanca you think about mrs miniver you think about mm. um you know the uh, the war movies that were made. You know during the um, 
uh, you know, the, the sort of propaganda movies that were made during the war, but also you think about the fact that John Ford and went to went to the Pacific and filmed the Battle of Midway, and you, you think about um, uh, John Huston in in Italy filming the Battle of San Pietro, and um, William Wyler went back to France, and uh, Frank Capra worked for the government, and you know, all these people were involved, and people went to fight. James Stewart flew yeah. bombers in the war. Clark Gable was, um, you know, involved, and it's a like Hollywood. The Hollywood Canteen as well. And think about that in the, the that sort of venue in Los Angeles that welcomed service. You could go and have a party with people like Betty Davis for fuck's sake. Like, like what a what an amazing like how it's sort of surreal almost that like you have the biggest conflict the world has ever seen, and yet Hollywood is going strong and like arguably stronger than ever. Yeah, turning out movies, making making great escapist cinema, and um, and contributing like like the Germans had Goebbels. And you know a real, real you know um, by the 1930s standards, a sophisticated propaganda network in service yeah. of a hateful ideology. Mm-hmm. But fucking hell, America had Hollywood, and when Hollywood got involved in the war, there was no stopping them. It is what they say. It, <laughs> they don't make them like they used to. No, and a lot of the time that's good. Uh, but um, <laughs> you know, but they sure. Um, uh, they sure the it was a, I mean it is it is like a, it's truly like looking watching the women it is a portrait of of as you say like it's a bygone era yeah uh, and there are lots of things that are good that we've left behind like the sort of just completely ordinary like show like naked sexism that there happened you know just the like the fact that you that you you could make a film like the women is 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 kind of an indictment of of gender relationships yeah. in the 1930s but I think it's just fascinating to put it in context historically mm. and um and to think about hollywood at this time this is the as you say 80 million tickets are being sold a week like there's never i don't think hollywood was ever more powerful in some ways than it was at this point and the studio system was ever more powerful than it was at this point yeah and also just like in the 1930s like universal had monster movies and like you know, like westerns were being made musicals were being made it was like a really big year like like at this point like films were being like made like every week and then they were like into this into the into the cinemas and then they were working on the next one yeah you think about the the people who are involved you know i watched um scarface the original the other day you know howard hawks and paul mooney i mean mm. there's so much talent and and so much you know people as well who as you say come over from europe and i think that's really gonna take hold as well in the 1940s uh when yeah. um when you know a lot of the the the, the directors who arrive from overseas kind of get stuck in also preminger and uh, anthony mann people like that fritz um, lang as well yeah it's Hmm? Fritz Lang as well. Fritz Lang, yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's it, it's it is. I think I do. I think the thirties are an, are an overlooked decade. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people will watch, um, will quite happily sit down and watch films from the fifties. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, the fifties really interesting decade. Forties really interesting with film noir and and all the other things that are going on in the post-war yeah. cinema. But um, but I think there's so much just meet in the in the thirties so much talent going on and also as you know as i keep saying this putting it in a historical context of the depression and thinking about films that were made before the second world war and the holocaust kind of redefined what loss horror catastrophe conflict looked like globally you know um you know i think it, it's um it's. I would recommend it to anyone listening. Like, firstly, go back and watch the women. And I think actually we haven't really spoiled it too much in this. No, movie. we haven't. We haven't in, really this, spoiled in this it. review. So for once, so you could even if you haven't watched it before, I'd, uh, you know, go and get it. Of course, it has a happy ending. It's the 1930s. That's no spoiler. But, Jungle um, Red. But you know, the, the um, spend more time in the 30s. Yeah, I think I, I I feel like I need to I need to see what films I haven't seen in the 1930s and just kind of see if I can just get a hold of anything because I just. I feel like there's so much from that decade, like you said, that's really rich and also just something that like, you know, films that could, you know, live on in, in so many ways. And I think this is a film that can be, I mean, it's, I mean, it was, uh, it's, it was, it, it was, it's it, it, the woman uh, in the two, in 2007, it was selected for preservation in the uh, National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. So this film will, most likely be for around for a very very long time and it's also i think it's i think it's yeah. one of 
I think another one of George Cukor's films that is also in the Library of Congress is the film uh, Gaslight from 1944. Well, Gaslight's really interesting because it actually um, gaslighting is still a term that's used. Yeah. So that you know, and that all comes from that movie. Yeah. Um, that's a real. I haven't seen that. But that's a real significant. Um, I saw. I saw that yesterday. That is a. That is a very very good film. Ingrid Bergman won her first of three Oscars for that film. Yeah, I love Ingrid Bergman. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I love. It, I just the silver screen. I mean, there are so many issues with the, the studio system. There are so many issues with, you know, basically like, you, you know, the way they could treat um, their workers was pretty unethical. Like the, yeah. you know, when you think about. Um, what was her name who did um, the lady who voiced Snow White uh, was it Casolini Ad, um, Adriana Casolini um, in any case the actress was pretty much Disney kept her from working with anyone else I mean she didn't do anything apart from um, you know because um, he wanted her for himself I mean it's a, it's a, there was a lot of restrictions placed on people um, uh, and, yeah you know, a lot of... Adriana Casolotti Casalotti, yeah, you know there are a lot of problems with it, but when it works and when they um, yeah. when you look at what they produced and what they turned out and then you you know the um, it is sensational. I I heartily recommend reading the whole equation by um, David Thompson. He talks about um, this mm. period a lot and the, the sort of the money behind it. It's so interesting. No, um, definitely check that yeah, out. So, um, so yeah, speaking of um, films from the thirties, have you seen any films from the thirties that you'd want to recommend to me? Let me think about that for a second. Um, uh, do you want to? Is there any films that you want to recommend, recommend to me? Yeah, a couple. I mean, normally we just do one recommendation, but I will. I'll give you. Um, I'll give you some bonuses. Um, so uh, going over to France, because I think we we should also. I think French cinema in the nineteen thirties is yeah um, just um, incredible, uh, and we you know you have the um, you know you have Renoir and you have um, you know the, the 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 great Jean Gabin strutting his stuff, um, but um, yeah, I would say uh, uh, La Bête Humaine uh, with uh, Jean Gabin is a fantastic one. Uh, Simone Signore is in that. Is that well. a is that a Renoir film? Oh uh, yeah, I think it is. I'll definitely I'll definitely check that out. I do like Renoir's films, and um, yeah, The Grand Illusion is a great film from that period as well. Um, oh yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and and also yeah, so that's La Bête Humaine is nineteen. 19- 38 um but there's also uh le, le jour célèbre with um uh with jean gabin which is um a real treat too yeah um, have you seen uh K. De Boom, port of shadows no i haven't seen that okay so that's another one um that's another one I can I can heartily heartily recommend. So those those are like the, some French I think, movies. I think there's a lot of like I think there's a lot of like a Fred of Fred Astaire's films that he did in that period, like Top Hat. Yes, the, the, those are films I really want to watch. Um, and also just like early Hitchcock, like the Thirty Nine Steps. I haven't actually seen that yet. Oh, okay. The Thirty Nine Steps is um, that's a must. That's a must see. Um, the Jour Celeb also came out in uh, 1939, by the way. Um, mm just to add more to that miracle year um there's some great hitchcock from the 30s sabotage um the lady vanishes secret agent um, lady vanishes i have seen that's brilliant um yeah fred and ginger uh, the ones uh the two i've seen uh are top hat and shall we dance um which are both delightful yeah um i watched a great uh <laughs> sort of silly um British costume drama last night where Flora Robson plays Elizabeth the first and uh, it's got Laurence Olivier and um, Vivian Lee in it called uh, Fire Over England. It's all about Spanish Armada. It's great fun. Oh, nice. I think I think one of the films I really liked from that period in the 1930s was uh, I think I think one of the first I think well the only Charlie Chaplin film I've seen at the moment and that is City Lights. Oh, and and of course he did um, The Great Dictator, but I think that was in 1940. Probably. I think that came yeah that came a few years later. Um, yeah, and then well, you mentioned them before the horror films. Yeah, the old the old Dark House by James Whale. That's a that's such a great bit of. Oh, I haven't seen that, and Freaks, which I haven't seen either. That's um, yeah, Freaks, Freaks is terrifying, and uh, the old Dark House is just. I mean, we talked a lot about how like camp the like Frankenstein movies were, especially The Bride of Frankenstein, and there's a lot of camp in the old Dark House, and it's so like 
entertaining it's so good it's a really really good film like a really underrated um like you know haunted house like horror film from that period well not really a haunted house but like a house of horror kind of thing yeah so basically people there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of films to watch in the 1930s we'll get into it mm. a lot we haven't even mentioned we haven't mentioned james Cagney. we haven't mentioned um uh you know the gangster movies so yeah yeah little caesar that's one film i really want to watch like edward g robinson's movie yeah uh anyone's birthday today yeah it's it's uh um to go get back to that also i i would i know we're sort of going away from the 1930s i would recommend uh two of uh george cooker's uh cooker's film that I, i've seen very recently uh one of them is gaslight which i've mentioned and the other one is born yesterday with uh william holden and judy holiday and judy holiday won and her uh, an oscar for that film and she's fantastic in it as is william holden and the 50s was like like that whole decade was like peak William Holden, where he was in just so many great films in that period. Yeah, I mean William Holden. Oh, we we could do a whole episode on him. Um, yeah, I'd love to watch that. Um, I have it downstairs, thanks to you. Yeah, it's it has a Billy Wilder esque uh, feeling about it, but it's a really good romantic uh drama film and, and comedy as well and also just one of the things that, like george cooker did very well is that he sh- like especially with the women is that he shot and also in gaslight as well he shot like scenes in like really long takes like just having the camera play and maybe moving a little bit if somebody was changing a position or just like just kind of playing it out like watching you know theater and i think that just plays out really well and i think that just you just get a chance to ingest like the performances and the scene and the tone and everything i think I think he really he knew his way around like just like the camera movements and things like that and cinematography and everything. And it's interesting looking at his career and just seeing the like the different types of films he did. I mean, he did A Star Is Born with the Judy Garland, which you know was was very difficult to oh, make. George Cooper directed that. Cool. Oh, that's a that's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, which was made at a very difficult uh, time in Ju- Judy Garland's life, and she was you know dealing with alcohol issues and pills and things like that. And it's a really really good film. And, sad time. and he also directed My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn, which I think he won Best Director wow, for. Gosh. Well, he had quite a career, George Cooper. Yeah, he did. He had a very interesting career. I really want to try and get books about or like a biography about him, like some really just old, like just because he just watching his films and reading up about him it just they it'd be interesting to read a little bit more and and also just hear more about the the, the history of like the films that he made and things like that All right well um birthdays yes so top of the list is uh happy birthday to uh the late great uh terry jones of monty python oh he died just just a just a couple of weeks ago didn't he yeah oh he was he was so funny i think like i think he was one of my I think out of the Monty Python like true bait thing, he was one of my favourites. A fishy, a fishy. Oh. <laughs> he's not the Messiah. He's a naughty boy. Yeah. Oh, he's so a uh, wonderful, wonderful character and a, a great part of what made that comedy truth so brilliant. Yeah. I <laughs> I, I, I watched uh, just a slight little deviation. I watched John Borman's very strange uh, Arthur uh, King Arthur film Excalibur. And it, it's very sort of like a very gritty take on the Arthurian legend. And um, I just, while watching it, I just couldn't help every time when someone said the Knights of the Round Table. And then I'm just sitting there watching it with my girlfriend, Felina. And I'm just, yeah, the Knights of the Round Table, the Johnson, the Duda, and everything like that. And just like Camelot, it's only a model. Shh. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you can't, you, you shouldn't, you, that is the final word in King Arthur movies. All right, who else is it? Uh, happy birthday to American actress uh, Julia Garner, who I is not related to Jennifer Garner, but she was in uh, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, which was uh, Elizabeth Olsen's uh, big uh, break. She was also in A Sin City, the second one, and she was also in, she's also in the TV show from Netflix, Ozark, which I think is uh, Jason Bateman's uh, TV show that he created or co-created, I think. Uh-huh. Happy birthday to Sherilyn Fenn, who is very well known for the character Audrey Horn in the Twin Peaks TV show. You haven't seen any Twin Peaks, have you? No, not yet. I will get around to it eventually. She's like a, I mean, her character, Audrey Horn, she's like a proper like femme fatale. But like as the series went on, like her character kind of grew out of that. And she's she's one of the, the really like great, one of the best aspects of that of that show. 
Uh, happy birthday to Michael C. Hall, who uh, most people will know as Dexter Morgan from the TV show Dexter, and also David Fisher in uh, the TV show from HBO Six Feet Under, which was uh, created by Alan Ball, who wrote American Beauty. Mm. Have you seen any, Have you seen Six Feet Under? No. I saw like a first like few episodes of the first season. It, it was actually not that bad. I, I kind of got into it. I would like to try and watch it again. Uh, happy birthday to Linus Roach, who was recently in the last season of of Homeland, where he played the character David Wellington. I don't know if he's going to be in the new season, uh, which is the... Are they still making that? It's going to be ending this year. Oh, God, about time. And he also played Batman's dad in Batman Begins, uh, the Christopher Nolan movie. This is a terrible day for birthdays. Fuck <laughs> Terry Jones. This is lots of people... Uh, happy birthday to uh, mixed martial artist uh, Ronda Rousey, who's also been uh, Ronda Rousey. Who the fuck is that? Well, she's a mixed martial artist, uh, like uh, boxer or whatever, and she's she's also been in a few films: Fast and the Furious Seven, Expendables Three. What the fuck is it? Is there no one who has done anything decent? Oh, Terry did, Jones says a birthday with all these clowns. Did you watch the trailer for the new Fast and the Furious Nine film? Of course I did. Why would I do that? Oh dear God! It's a three-minute trailer. You basically have seen the entire film, and there's a scene of like I love with each of these movies. They just defy physics more and more. And like, there's a moment where they're you know, you know, in Temple of Doom when they're on that bridge. I can't believe you're about. To... No, 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 no. You, 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 uh, you remember Temple of Doom when they're you know on the. Of course, I remember the Temple of Doom. Okay, there's they, there's a bridge like that, and they drive a car over it, and it breaks. And then in a, he's, there's like a car chase in like they're in like some area like probably in the same place where they filmed Scaramanga's uh, hideout in uh, Man with the Golden Gun. And then there's a bit where they're driving towards the bridge, which has already been destroyed. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez is in the car with Vin Diesel, who's after his brother, played by John Cena, who's the newest addition to the series. And, and you're making my head hurt. <laughs> <clears throat> and he he manages to like he's jumping across from one rock to the next but it's so like like the distance is wide he's not going to make it you know much like when they were going through two uh, three towers in uh, in fast and the furious seven and he manages to attach like a rope from the bridge and then the car swings like tarzan fuck me i was like oh they got I can't, but this is a video call people can't see this but anderson's face is lit up i've never seen him look this happy before. i just i was watching why it. do you love shit films so much <laughs> it's escapism it's a different kind of what escape. Fucking escape i mean the... <laughs> star wars is escape that's just dark okay well let's let's move on with the birthdays uh happy birthday to brandon lee the son of bruce lee who would have been 55 today he sadly uh died during uh the making of the film the crow which is actually a really 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 good film really really sad what happened to him oh i don't know why he's this guy is bottom of the list uh happy birthday to clark gable what? Why is Clark Gable not hiring? Who no, literally never heard of half the people you just read out, and 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 Clark Gable's like what, further down. Ugh, Clark Gable's like he's just talk about like a, a Hollywood legend. I mean, he's yeah. amazing. Uh, I watched The Misfits recently. That's a yeah, fantastic film. And very sad because most of the people like passed away after. Yeah, that, that was it's it's yeah. Marilyn in that is. Um, yeah, she. You can sort of see that her life is kind of unraveling in a kind of sad way. But and it was written. Is, and it was written by her husband at the time, Arthur Miller. Ex-husband. Ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they broke up. I, I mean, it was mad. Yeah. There's a lot of clearly a lot of drinking happened uh, during the making of that film. Uh, underrated performance from that is uh, Eli Wallach. Yeah, he's really good in that film. Um, yeah, and also it was it was also the last like it 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 came out just after Clark Gable had passed away. He just died of a heart attack, and yeah. Well, yeah, partly because he insisted on doing his own stunts in this movie. Yeah, and he was like what fifty at the time? Well, like sixty. I think he was just about to turn sixty, possibly. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, he was in his fifties. Mm. Yeah, he he was a really great actor. Great, one of those like great classic like leading men. Uh, materials i mean it was i mean but these these guys lived hard as well i mean like you look at um you look at him you look at bogart and you look at gary cooper like these guys they drank they smoked they didn't uh look after themselves and i don't think 
any of them lived in really i mean bogart was 55 when he died i mean i can't remember how old cooper was but he also didn't reach his 70s i don't think you know like they they, they uh yeah lived yeah, fast they, and died uh, a little bit too young yeah they they partied hard i have to say um yeah you're gonna get really annoyed when you see that this guy's at number 19 on the list uh happy birthday to one of our favorite directors john ford what the fuck is wrong with imdb and people <laughs> I mean, they rank the birthdays by popularity, so um, it's... So so the guy who plays the, the mixed... I can't even... I'm not even going to go there. Ronda just, Rousey's a woman. Can we just say John Ford is the... the he's a legend. He's, mm. he's, he's one of my favourite, if not my favourite director. There is a... You know, modern American cinema, even, you know, every film that gets made practically uh, on that... That's a... You know, whether it's a period film or a, a, a kind of a, an epic or, or even sometimes you know a, 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 a drama you know it's a relatively studio bound movie they're all owe a debt to John Ford I mean because mm-hmm. he was just he helped redefine how we you know how we watch great stories how we watch action how we film high romance you know he's yeah he's such a he has such a gift for that kind of particular kind of American sentimental monumental storytelling and like when Orson Welles referred to him as you know when he said I, I when he was asked you know who his, his favorite directors were he's like oh I, I admire the old masters by which I mean John Ford John Ford and John Ford yeah didn't he yeah, watch like he watched, tells you everything you need to know didn't he watch like stagecoach like a million times when he was shooting Citizen Kane yeah I mean that's the funny thing everyone always talks about oh Citizen Kane invented deep focus it's like well uh it was it's right there in stagecoach you know you watch you watch some of those scenes in the stage uh, in, in the uh, way stations that they stop at it is like the, the the camera work is understated as it is as completely um simple as it looks to us now is so it's 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 kind of quietly revolutionary in that yeah. it allows you to view a scene in entirety rather than zooming around and having certain things in close-up having mm. other things out of focus you are able to watch the whole canvas unfold I mean, you think about that first that one of those scenes in the in the when the when the reverend clayton shows up in the searches and he just plonks the camera down at the head of yeah. the table and that's this you know these people just sort of carry on in front of it without zooming in on any particular part but you what you get from ford and what well copied so well is that you the he'll move his actors in such a way or position his actors in such a way that it draws your eye towards exactly what you're supposed to be looking at. Yeah. He's such a gift for that composition. But also like another good use of, of deep focus cinematography was actually in a film. I think we might've mentioned or a director we might've mentioned earlier, uh, Jean Renoir's film, uh, the rules of the game, which does use, use it quite well. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's completely fallacious to imply that Wells just invented it out of, you know, and, and, um, who was who was it who shot uh, Citizen Kane? Was it James Wong Howe or uh, the cameraman? Let me double check. So it's, it's silly to imply that that, they, that it just came out. I mean, everyone likes to talk about Wells as a sort of savant and a boy genius, and he was. I mean, it, it's not you know you're not taking anything away from Orson Welles. He's still a remarkable artist, but um, uh, it he's was building on on existing breakthroughs. Uh, it was Greg uh, Greg, Greg to- Tolan. Who also worked on uh, John Ford's *The The Long Voyage Home*? Yes, good film. Um, so yeah, John Ford, absolute legend. We love him. We'll, we've talked about him a lot. We'll probably talk about him yeah. a lot again. Uh, slight little bit of a deviation from uh, the birthdays as well. Um, they're actually making a movie about uh, Herman J. Uh, Mankiewicz for Netflix, which is being directed by David Fincher. Interesting. With Gary Oldman playing uh, Herman J. Mankiewicz. Hmm. Could be an interesting film, I don't know, but we'll wait and see. Uh, happy birthday to Peter Salas, who um, it was a big part of my childhood. His well, he voiced the character of Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, that was the the the, the Ardman films are just great, and also just I I mean I'm a huge admirer of stop motion animal claymation. Uh, films and I'm a real big flag waver for uh, the studio. I, I can't remember. I don't, I'm sorry if I'm butchering their name. Uh, Laker, uh, which have done films like Paranorman um, and uh, recently the, mis- the film called Missing Link, 
which is nominated for uh, Best uh, Animated Feature at the Oscars. And it did win at the Golden Globes. So I was I was very surprised. It won over, like, Toy Story 4 because, like, you know, every year they always give the Oscar to the Pixar film. So I was quite happy that that film got it because not really that many people went to go see it. And it's actually a really, 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 really good film. Great. Well, girls, looks like it's back to the perfume counter for me. And by the way, there's a name for you ladies, but it isn't used in high society, outside of a kennel. Well, that concludes another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. We have been uh, reviewing George Cukor's film, The Women. Do uh, go check it out. It is wonderful, as well as many other films made in the uh, great decade of the 1930s. You can follow us at Holmes Movies Pod on Twitter, and you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Fabricius91, F-A-B-R-I-C-I-U-S-9-1. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Anders F. Holmes. You can also check out uh, the podcast's blog, Holmes Movies, uh, yeah, WordPress.com, which I'll be adding in the episode description. And Adam, do you have anything else you want to plug? Um, you can follow me on Twitter, if you like, Northampton Dane, um, adam.h.f.holmes on Instagram, if you like pictures of food. Um, and yeah, um, keep up uh, if you're interested in uh, history, civil rights, socioeconomic uh, inequality, anti-capitalism, that sort of thing. Uh, um, my place of work is the WEB Du Bois Centre at UMass Amherst, which uh, is also worth giving a follow to. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, um, check us out. Yes. Well, thank you, thank you very much for uh, listening to us. I've been Anders Holmes, uh, and I've been Adam Holmes, and uh, we've been two white men talking about a film about women. Mm-hmm.